0: Hello and welcome to This is Calvary. My name is Johnny, and I'm one of the pastors here at Calvary. Our podcast exists to help you find a place of encouragement, camaraderie, and even practical steps for spiritual engagement as we continue to work through this fellowship desert. Thank you for joining me today, and we are finding ourselves in the middle of of the season of Advent. For the Christian liturgical year, Advent is actually the marking of the beginning of the new year. And Advent goes the four Sundays prior to Christmas Day. And each week in Advent, we have a different focus. The first week, we lit a candle, focusing and remembering the reality of the hope we have in Jesus. The second week, and second Sunday of Advent, we focused on and lit the candle of peace, reminding us the peace that Jesus came to bring us. This third week of Advent, for the third Sunday of Advent, we lit the candle of love, which, if you're familiar with Advent candles, is the one pink candle. Each week we've provided you with just a reflection on each of these realities as it relates to Jesus, hope and peace, and then today, Love, And so I want to focus just for a minute on this reality of love as we find it in the story of the Bible and in the story of Jesus. As we think about the very basic question, why did God send Jesus? Why was God the Father compelled to send his only Son? Well, we have from one of the most popular verses in all of the Bible— a clear statement as to why God sent Jesus John 3 16 tells us that God loved the world that so that compelled to give his only son and so this reality of love was a compelling motive for God to send his son his love and the object of his love being the world. Also, I'm reminded back, uh, maybe a little over a year ago, or maybe it was a little over two years ago, now I'm forgetting, Pastor Gerald uh, did a preaching series on this idea of created to need. Just this basic idea that we as human beings, what it partially means to be human, is to need. That we have a number of things that we need. And we look to God to fulfill those needs. One of those needs that we have as human beings, one of those basic core needs, along with things like hope uh, and dignity and a number of other things that we went through in that series, one of them is love. Love is a pretty powerful reality in the Bible. There are some pretty massive statements made in the Bible as it relates to this idea of love. First of all, the two greatest commandments in all the world, according to Jesus, have one common denominator. What is it? Love. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. That common denominator of love is what allows us to fulfill the two greatest commandments in all the world. We're also told that there's no greater love than one than when one lays their life down for their friend. We're also told to love our enemies. And the Apostle Paul even goes so far as to say, without love, we are nothing. And that's a pretty powerful statement to say about any reality, any emotion, to say that without something, you're nothing. <laughs> and so that's what Paul says, though, without love, we are nothing. Are nothing and so love has within the story of the Bible such a prominent part of the story it was the motivating factor for God to even send his son to sacrifice his life for us and Paul as I said already goes so far as to say, without it we have nothing love as I think about it and understand it is the full commitment to the flourishing of another being. A lot of times we kind of go back and forth about what is love and, and whether love is you know, something that's an emotion or whether it's something that's a commitment um, or whether it's not leaving someone, staying committed to someone. I think at the very core, love is in many ways both. I don't think you have love if, You don't have emotion involved. I don't think my wife would be really thrilled with my love for her if I said, I don't feel anything for you. I don't have any affections for you, but I won't leave you. I think that would not convey to my wife or my children or any friends or family members love. That would not make them sense that I love them. But neither would it be enough to just say, I feel something for you, but I really don't care about your flourishing. I have affections for you, but I'm not committed to your best. Neither one of those would really fully communicate this reality of love. Love is, I think, covenantal. It's, it's a commitment to someone, but a commitment to their flourishing, and you are invested in it. Yourself... What is the second greatest commandment? Love your neighbor, how? As yourself. Yourself is invested covenantally in the flourishing of the other person. So love isn't even just making sure someone's okay, but without any effort on your end. So let's say they need money, let's say they need whatever they need, and you just let someone else give it to them, but you're helping to make sure the person gets what they need. No, no that's not really actually love love is when you invest your own self to the flourishing of another being and that investment is covenantal it's not coming and going it's always there whether sometimes weak sometimes strong but love is not again just feelings or affection or just commitment it's covenantal in which feelings, affections, and commitment are all present. What's interesting to think about this reality of love is that it wasn't as if God made the world so that there would be love. God already was love even before he made us. It wasn't as if love came into existence because human beings came and it was some way for us to interact with each other. We're told by John that God is love. Even before anything else existed, God was and still is love. He is the fundamental reality, person and reality that we can go to to understand love. God is loving before we even needed it. As I said before, as human beings, we are created to need. One of those things we need is love. But God was actually loving even before we needed it. Again, God is love. And what's interesting in the creation story then, it's no wonder that human beings are created to need love and to love. Because as we are made in God's image, if God is love and we are made in God's image, love is going to be one of the most important realities about our lives. So much so that without it, we're nothing. We can't fully be the human that we are meant to be without it. And it's interesting in the Garden of Eden narrative that that God gave Adam animals and mountains and, and all the created world And in the end of the day, it just was not good. Why? Why wasn't it fully good? Because it didn't have another person through which to love and receive love. As soon as Eve, the woman, came into the picture, then God was able to say, this is very good. But there was something limited about love and thus about God's image in the world with man existing without woman. And so just this beautiful picture we have of love, even in the very early stories of creation. And this brings us to just think and reflect about the moment of Advent, the moment of the Christmas story. And that going back to John 3.16, as I referenced earlier, this idea that why did God send Jesus He sent Jesus out of a commitment that the world would still be the location of flourishing love. God is not done with the created world. God is not done with human beings. Instead, he's committed to us that we might experience on earth the restored, flourishing love he intended us to know and experience. But the only way for us to fully experience that, as we have seen throughout history as human beings, we have not been able to create a world of sustainable love. What needed to happen? God himself needed to invest himself in our world as a human being, as a baby born of a woman, in order to ensure that love would actually exist and be eternal and never-ending. And so Jesus, the Son of God, comes into the world and gives us the primary example, the most amazing example of what love actually is. And in the love that he lived out and fleshed in this world, he fulfilled the ultimate act of love as we see in scripture of giving his life so that as we trust in him and believe in him we can also receive his love and then be conduits conduits of his love and we see that John says in his letter in his first letter beloved if God so loved us we also ought to love one another that is our call as we think about and anticipate the birth of Jesus, as we see the birth of Jesus and we reread the narrative of Jesus, we see the physical manifestation of God's love toward us in this world. And I hope we all receive that love, receive Jesus. Not only do we receive it, but then we're called, as we see in John, to extend it to other people, even as we see in John's gospel, to enemies, to love your enemies. Love requires, in closing this Advent reflection on the third week of Advent, love requires, though, humility. One of the things I've said, I believe, in sermons before is, Humility is not something we accidentally do or we kind of trip into doing or fall into doing. Sometimes we think of humiliation and humility and these kind of words and as if they're terms of weakness. Uh, from my experience, I've only been humble when I've really, really worked hard. To deny myself and consider someone else it's so easy just to consider myself and my own interests that's the easy thing to do that's the weak thing to do the strong thing to do is to consider others interests more than my own and that is love without humility we can't have love and without love we have nothing but the beauty of this season is the anticipation of the humility expressed in love through Jesus, God's gift to the world. And I hope that during the season, as you're listening to this, that in a new and profound way, you can receive, worship, and enjoy the love of God. Come to him with all your heart Come and live your burdens down, for peace he came to give, and joy shall be the crown, and joy shall be